0: Hey, we are uh, in this story, or in this series called The Story, and, and, and man, I've just been so excited with it. How many of you are reading the book, The Story? How many of you got a copy and reading it? You guys have to get a copy and read it, those of you that are reading it. Keep keep on. It's, uh, hopefully, you're very encouraged. If you don't have a copy, pick one up. It's it's again. It's the meta narrative. It's not. It's it, it puts the Bible in chronological form. It's not in place of the Bible, but it helps augment our reading. And so, um, I've been very encouraged as I read it, just kind of be able to plug in stories and the timeline, and the events, and things like that. So, hopefully, you will uh, stay committed to reading that. Last week, we talked about Joshua, and we talked about how he became the leader. And it was time to enter into the promised land that God said, you know, God led him to the to this land. And he said, "Okay, this is the this is the promised land, the land that I promised your ancestors hundreds of years ago. It's time to now go in and take the land. And so uh, as they, you know, Joshua was one of those for me, one of those guys that just inspires me. He's like, this is what God said. we got to do it. So let's go. You know, and no questions asked. So they they charge in and um, they take over Jericho. And if you've read the story, if you continue to read through jo- uh, through Joshua, uh, we read about these campaigns. You know, they kept going up after city after city, and people after people. And God gave them this incredible power and made the possible or the impossible become possible. And so they conquered this land. And and um, towards the end of Joshua's life, he gives a speech, which we're going to get to here in a few moments. But I want to share with you. Um, uh, I, if some of you are familiar with Bruce Wilkinson, he did an illustration called The Three Chairs uh, a few years ago. And for me, when I read that, it just really struck home. And, and as we got to this this part of the story, it's like, oh, we've got to talk about The Three Chairs, and so, because it fits perfectly in and it'll help us really see this, what we'll call a generational slide or slip. And so um, as we talk about that, I want to share with you, or before we talk about Joshua, I want to just... Uh, kind of describe the three chairs and then we'll get into the story. So um, as we look at this chair here, this chair would be the, uh, if there's one word that would define this chair, it would be uh, commitment. And so this chair, this is called first chair. The first chair living, if you're a person living in this first chair, uh, your living is anchored, this person's living is anchored in a person's whole intellect, their will, their heart. I mean, everything is grounded so deep, so uh, intricately together. You're committed to a lifelong journey of spiritual maturity. You've counted the cost. You realize what it means. Uh, you've counted the cost and you said, my life is yours. And so this chair would be, would be um, described in one word as commitment. Obedience and singleness of purpose mark this condition. You're laser focused. You are singular and focused. You have this incredible purpose, you get it, you understand it, you're on the journey, you've counted the cost, you are committed to what God uh, wants to do in and through your life. Now, the second chair is a little bit different. If we would describe it in one word, it would be called compromise. And in this chair, uh, instability and inconsistency market, okay, market's course. Uh, If things are going well, everything else is going well, okay? If you're in this chair, if life is going well, your spiritual walk's going well. If life gets bad, then your spiritual walk is, is tanking as well. You know, that's, what, that's kind of what marks it. Uh, this is missing some bedrock commitments. This journey's not really real. It's somewhat, but not really real to the person. Eventually, this person's lifestyle will begin to take on the lifestyle of someone that may not know Christ or someone that just has a marginal acquaintance with Christ or whatever. And again, the word compromise is used here because compromise is always lurking in the background. If something comes up that's going to challenge this commitment, uh, it's going to win, okay? Uh, self is usually, at the, the God is at the tip of the tongue, but self is, is, is seated on the throne of, our heart, of, of on this person's heart here. And so, um, it, like I said, if, if, if something's going to challenge uh, your, this person that's sitting in this chair, if something's going to challenge your walk, you, you'll compromise, every time you'll compromise. And so, uh, anyhow, this, the compromise describes this chair. There's a third chair here. This chair, the word that we could use to describe it would either be conflict or confused. And what that means is, uh, this person may know that they are not a Christian. In fact, they may know that they've rejected Christ. They may know that, you know, there was a time where Christ, they really sensed Christ pressing upon their heart uh, to make that decision to make, you know, to, to receive that. Uh, invitation uh, to walk with him, and and they rejected that. And so they may know that. Um, they may uh they may be confused uh because they may have grown up with someone that sat in the in the in the first chair. They may have grown up with some grandparents that told them stories or parents things like that. But it's not really real to them. So, but nevertheless, they're sitting in this chair, but they still know the God speak. Okay, they still know the terms. They still know the language, the Christianity language, the church entity language, that kind of stuff. Uh, They may know that, but if you're sitting in this chair, if a person's sitting in this chair, they may look, act, feel like Christians almost. But what's but there's this gulf of rebellion and sin that separates this person from God. They haven't made that commitment. There's still this this gulf of uh, separation. Uh, There's no higher authority. Uh, to Listen to and there's nothing that will compete to, to drag them away because they're pretty much committed to the, to themselves They don't have a relationship with Christ So to have a spiritual breakthrough is almost is absolutely impossible because they don't have the power to do that. They may Hear something and they may try to work towards something But they're going to come up empty every single time because they don't have the power of Christ the power of the cross living inside of them to help make that uh, spiritual uh, breakthrough so those are the three chairs, okay? And, and and the reason why I introduced the three chairs to you because we're going to see they represent generations in and uh in our story and we're going to see these three chairs, these three generations in our story today with Joshua. At the end of Joshua towards the end of Joshua's life, he stood up and and made this made a very challenging speech to the assembly. And you've probably heard it before if you've been in church for a while. But in Joshua, if you want to turn there with me, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, uh, he makes this, 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 that lays out this very challenging speech uh, to the assembly. And he basically um, asks them to make a decision. And so in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, he says this But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, Then choose for yourself this day who you're going to serve. If the God that we've been serving, the God that we've been talking about, the God that's led us to this point, if this God is not the God you want to serve, then you need to make a choice. You need to choose. Because you're going to serve somebody or something. So you need to make a choice. And he says, then choose for yourself this day whom you'll serve, whether it be the gods of your ancestors who they served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living But as for me and my household, we're going to serve God. We're going to serve the Lord. And as he lays this challenge out, as he lays this this, um, uh, challenge out to the people, the assembly, they respond and they say, we're going to serve God too. We're going to serve the Lord. And what's really exciting about this, they say it two times, they commit to it twice. We are going to serve the Lord you're talking about. We're we're not choosing to serve these false gods over here. We're not choosing to serve the gods of our ancestors. Uh, you know these other false gods or the gods uh, you know beyond the Euphrates and all this other stuff. We are choosing to serve the Lord our God that you've exposed us to that we've been, that we've seen that we've encountered that that has delivered us that has done the impossible has made the po- the impossible possible. We're going to and twice they make this commitment. Now the really cool thing is uh, in the in. The, um, in the time that followed years that followed that commitment it proved to be true these guys held to their word they said this is what we're committing to and they and they held to their word and they did, they did exactly what they said they were going to do we are going to serve the lord and they did that but then something happens for the rest of Joshua's life they all served the true god and honored the commitment they made but then when Joshua dies we start seeing a generational slip and so, what it's, it, it, we start seeing this, this next generation emerge that, that pretty much serve God, not fully, but serve God partially. And so, they started making compromises. And in Judges chapter 1, verses 27 through 30, we read about that. And we read about these different judges, these different leaders that, or these different leaders that didn't do what God said to do. And, and if you, you can read that, but uh, it said, um, It talks about Manasseh. It talks about the the, um, uh, Zebulun and all these other guys who didn't do what God told them to do. Back here in Joshua's day, Joshua laid out the challenge that said, anything God says we're going to do, we're going to do. He told us to do it, we're going to do it. He told us to drive out the people from the land. That's what we're going to do. And so he leads the people in that direction and and says, we are going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. You need to choose. And, And that's who they serve. We're going to serve the Lord. So that generation dies off. This generation says... They, they, they begin to make some compromises. They're not as fully committed as Joshua's generation. So they kind of sit in this chair and they say, you know, pretty much what happens is when things get a little difficult, when things get a little difficult in driving out the remaining part of the people in the land, they kind of sit back and say, what are we fighting for? Why do we keep fighting? Look at the land that we have. Look at the money. Look at the look at all the food we have. Look at the things that we have. Why do we need? Why do we need to keep fighting? Can't we just get along? And so they begin to compromise. What you know, from 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 the first generation, they begin to compromise. They become tired of fighting. No more death. We're done with this. We're done with the bloodshed. No more death. There's plenty of money and food here. And so what happens is they begin to make friends with the pagan cultures around them in which who god said you need to drive them out they not only began to become friends with these people that god said you need to you need to drive them out they started intermarrying with these other cultures now in this time god actually absolutely hated that because what would happen is they be, they would become friends they would start intermarrying and when they would start intermarrying they would start taking on the gods of that culture we are so blessed to have the word of god the bible for us we can look back on these things we can look back and read on these things and say that's probably not wise god said not to do that and they did it and we see what happens and so as we look back we see the dangers of that but it's that whole sense of sitting in his chair that says is does it really hurt to compromise a little bit does it really hurt this generation said absolutely it hurts we don't compromise we stay committed we stay true to what God told us to do. This generation said, well, I, you know, we can compromise a little bit. So they ended up becoming friends and began intermarrying. And, and, and they you know, basically asked the questions, after all, isn't this good, living in sensible uh, compromise? Then the next generation comes after this one. And this is what you see right here. They didn't know anything about God. They didn't know anything about God. Because this generation compromised. This generation, it says in Judges chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, and verse 19. It says, After that whole generation had been gathered uh, to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord or knew what he had done for Israel. How is that possible? How is that possible? They didn't even know anything about God or what he had done for Israel. Then the Israel, and this is what we read: we go from in the Bible, we go from the book of Joshua to the next book, which is Judges, which is which, and we see this drastic generational slip. We see we see people who actually, who follow God or are absolutely committed to following God to people that didn't even know God, and we see this motif running throughout the book of Judges. I Judges. mean, I say that I've said that three, this is my third service to confuse Joshua and Judges. I'm getting judge whatever so i'm just gonna throw that out there so we can get that out of the way okay so we go over here and we and it says they 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 said the israelites did evil in the eyes of the lord that's the motif we see seven times we see this in the book of judges they forsook the Lord the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger. 7 times we read this in the book of Judges. And they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Because they kept getting themselves into this, this downward spiral cycle. And what would happen is they would get, they would get themselves into this situation and they would, they would get into this spiral. that They would begin to compromise all this other stuff and they would start worshiping other gods. God would raise up another nation to oppress them and to, and, and to essentially lay waste to them. And they, they would cry out, God save us, God save us. And so God would send a judge. Seven times this happens. God would send a judge. God would send a redeemer. God would send a savior. And they would start following God again and, and, and everything was good. And then it says in verse 19, but when the judge died, the people returned to the ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and their stubborn ways. Okay. Here's where it relates to us, guys. We can look back at the Bible and we can see this and we can say, what happened? How do you go from truly committed to to following God in one generation and two generations next that they have no recollection of God whatsoever? How does that happen? That's something that, that's the biggest, that's the question that we're going to answer today and how this relates to us and how this whole chair concept relates to us because I think that's how we can see uh, this this generational slip uh, very clearly as we look at the chairs. Now. Uh, 21st century living. This is where we're at. We got the chairs. Okay, chair one. This is someone, someone that's sitting in this chair. Actually, some some people would say, well, that person's very religious. Now, the person sitting in this chair that's fully committed to God—that's the last thing they would describe it as. It's not described as religion. Religion is some man-made concoction. How someone would describe God or their relationship with with Jesus in this chair, they would say, this is like a conversation. It's like having a cup of coffee with God. I converse with Him. I have this intimate connection with God. We talk with one another. We enjoy each other's presence. It's intimate. I I love spending time with God. I love spending talking and listening with God. They never think of... This whole concept of living as do's and don'ts, like some people do. Well, that's just about do's and don'ts. They don't look at it like that whatsoever. They don't look at any of this as sacred buildings or rituals or practices or anything like that. They look at it as like two friends hanging out together, enjoying each other's company. That's what this chair would look like. Someone that's truly committed to following Christ. Now, chair two, got people that know a lot about God. you got people that can talk a lot about God you got people sitting in this chair that can talk a lot about God. They can talk a lot about the Bible. They know a lot about what's going on in the Christian world. They can debate the end times. Uh, they can hang with the champions debating that kind of stuff. They can debate theology. They can debate all these things. I'm not saying that stuff is so much bad, but someone in this chair, that really describes their relationship with God. That's kind of the end-all, kind of end be-all of it. They can debate. They might choose the word acquaintance with God, versus relationship their prayers seem something like and they're very thankful they don't, don't get me wrong they're very thankful for all the stuff that god has done for them oh i'm thankful for what you've done god what you've done for me what you've done for me and and their prayers can be more about helping them to succeed and and keep their family safe and multiply their investments and bless this food amen that's kind of their prayers, okay? And, and so um, they're going to church and being a Christian is something that you do. That's what you're supposed to do because that's the right thing to do. You see how it's a little bit more kind of sterile? It's not intimate. It's, it's, it's a little bit more sterile. It's more about like what I, what, what I can, can kind of can do. But at the end of the day, the relationship is more about them than it's about Christ. They're the ones that's really sitting on the throne of their hearts, not God. Now, chair three, this person has forgotten a lot about what their grandparents had taught them, right? They might have some, they might have some grandparents. They remember the stories, you know, that their grandparents that were sitting in the first chair taught them. They went to Sunday school. They heard the stories. You know, they heard, you know what? They heard the story about Joshua. They also heard the story about Jonah and the whale, and I have no clue what the whale, what that means in my life today. In fact, I don't even know if that whale story was true. I mean, come on. That's a bit, that's a bit far-fetched, isn't it? A guy gets swallowed by a whale and he lives? And so they, 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 they've forgotten a lot about what their grandparents had taught them about God. They still retain some. Spirituality now on the other side is very important, okay? Spirituality is very important. And, and they explore the writings and teachings of all the great teachers, Jesus being one of them, the Dalai Lama, um, Gandhi, Stephen Jay Gould, and etc. you name them. They, they, they read those. I mean, very, I'm, I'm spiritual. I'm very spiritual. And so this person would classify themselves as spiritual. They would say God is everywhere and everything, which makes them comfortable. But having this relationship with Jesus, isn't that a bit of a cheesy slogan? Have I invited Jesus into my life? I mean, come on, that's a bit outdated, isn't it? I mean, that's very, that's, that's, that's kind of cheesy. And it's, and it's outdated for individuals that are weak or maybe not that intelligent, you know, kind of help people get through life and, and things like that. They often, they might use meditation and psychotherapy and things like that to get in touch with their inner meaning, their inner being. And so they make their decisions based on what makes sense to their career. And, and they understand, they think that if they understand more how, you know, the more they, if they understand themselves more, they will be able to fulfill their destiny. Now, how does this relate, kind of relate to the world? Over here in chair one, this person, as they relate to the world, um, they find themselves at odds with the world a lot. If you're sitting in this chair, you find yourself at odds with the world a lot because society really is kind of the, going in a completely different direction of, of, of where God is taking you. It's kind of the antithesis. And so a lot of times you feel very at odds. This person would trust the Bible for their influence and direction for their decisions for their life. They have complete and implicit trust in the confidence in Christ's wisdom for their life. So when they have something taking place in their life, they crack open the Bible and they say, you know what, God, I want you to talk to me. I want you to share with me. I want you to guide and I want you to direct me on how I should make this decision within my life. This person will guard guard what they watch. The movies they watch, they'll guard maybe the music they listen to, they'll guard the way they dress or the way they relate to the opposite sex, all those kind of things, uh, the good stewardship of their resources, all because of their examination of God's Word. They're not willing to compromise even when it seems unpopular. Even when it seems like I'm going to be ostracized at my workplace, or I'm going to be ostracized in the classroom, or I'm going to be ostracized in my neighborhood, or in my, uh, whatever it is, whatever it is, my, uh, you know, town council meetings, where, how, where, however I function, they, they, they are not willing to compromise, even when it seems unpopular or difficult or painful. They live by their convictions. Okay? Now, over in this chair, the way they relate to the world, they agree with Chair One somewhat okay? But their views of the Bible is a little bit more... This is a social document, okay? The, the, the Bible is a good thing. It's something good. I get that. But it, it's, it's what best fits me... Or it, Actually, it's a social document that best fits the times for when it was written. So, when you read the Bible, you need to read it with common sense. You need to read the Bible, let it filter through common sense. Therefore, um, what Bible this person has is kind of given to them by someone else. They really don't spend a lot of time within it. Essentially... This person is like, they do the spiritual hokey-pokey, okay? They, they, put the, they put the right foot in, they take it out, they put the right foot in, they shake it all about, you know, they take it in, take it out, take it in, take it out. You know, if it's going to create some, uh, if it's going to create a little bit of disturbance, they say, I'll take it out now, okay? I'm not, really, I'm not really in you, I'll take it out, you know? So they got this spiritual hokey-pokey thing going on, and they live by beliefs. Now, chair three, they navigate life simply by measuring what they want and what society has to offer, Okay? Um they that truth and morality are relevant. They're not absolute. Um, you, you have to think for yourself. You have to determine uh, for yourself whether it's right or wrong. And they live they live by, by opinion. Okay? This person and sometimes this person, when you talk with them, even about religious things or things that the you know your the um relation, you know, spiritual things, let me tell you what I think. I think that's how they start to say I think. I think this. I think you should look at this when you make this this decision. I think whereas this person over here says the word of God seems to indicate that. I get you know when you're when you're you know when you're looking to make this this big decision in your life, you know, the word of God has instructed dot dot dot. They're 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 consumed by what God thinks they have an audience of one what is it that God wants they and they have this intimate relationship with God and they're willing to guard it with everything they have usually by repentance and obedience they're constantly thinking about it's not that they think that they're not good enough but they realize they have this 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 connection with Christ and they guard it with everything that they have I don't want to lose this I love spending time with Jesus. I love spending time talking with him. He, I mean, I love how he has guided and directed me throughout my life. And, and some of the decisions that I've had to make in my life have been spot on. I look back and I'm so glad that, that, I, that, that, that Jesus led me in this direction because I don't know what would have happened if I'd have made that, this decision, blah, 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 over here. So, so to them, it's this is what the Word of God has to say versus I think this, I think that, and, you know, driven somewhat by opinion. So, as we look at this today, what I want us to see is how each of these uh, being lived out in the generation of Joshua and following, and how each of these lived out, that were lived out in the families of their generations, because what we see is this generational slide. Okay? What we see is we see Joshua's generation over here that said, We are fully committed to this. We are fully committed. Whether it seems impossible or not, we are committed to go where God is directing us to go. We will guard that with everything we have. This generation over here, after Joshua left, after that generation died, began to compromise and say, well, we know that God has placed us here, but, but, I think, I think, and then you get to this generation over here, that the Bible says, they, did, they had no clue who God was. They started wor- Baal worshipping. They started doing the whole idolatry thing. They started getting wrapped up in idols and all of those things. Guys, as we close here, I want to ask you this question. What chair would you say that you're sitting in today? And this is between you. Only two people know this question. They answer this question. You and God. I don't know. Nor am I going to judge you. That's not my job. Thank God it's not my job. But truth, in the depths of the recesses of your heart, what chair, do you, what chair would you say you're living in today? Would you say, I'm sold out? I've considered the cost, and I am absolutely sold out. I am sold out to where God wants to go in my life. I will seek Him. It's, it's what God wants to do. That is what I'm committed to doing. Or are you sitting over here saying, Well, I'm kind of sold out, but I think, I think that I can do this, and I think that I could, you know? Or are you sitting over here and you really you don't know? One thing you do know is you don't have a relationship with Christ. You do know that. Let me ask you this question. After you determine what chair, you know, as you're sitting there thinking and you're saying, "You know what? This is the chair I'm in." Let me ask you this question. Are you are you satisfied? I mean, at the end of the day, are you truly satisfied with your spiritual walk with Christ? Are you content? To sp- if you were going to spend the rest of your life in a chair and that chair would be the chair you're sitting in today, are you content with that? You know, here's, here's the thing. God is ready today to help some of us make, make some, have some spiritual breakthroughs. If you're sitting in this chair today and God's pressing upon your heart, you could have one of the biggest spiritual breakthroughs you've ever had in your entire life because you're going to accept and receive that intimate invitation into god's family into the relationship with god and you're literally going to go from this chair to this chair over here you're going to have huge spiritual breakthrough some of you are sitting in, in 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 this chair god wants to god wants to move us some of you are already sitting here and you know exactly what i'm talking about when i describe your relationship with jesus here's the other thing Jim and I, we were talking, when we were talking, I don't know how we got onto it, but we got to talking about some of this stuff Friday. And, and I got to thinking about and I and I know this sounds biased, but I'm just, it's it's the illustration that I have. I got to thinking about my ancestors, like my people in the in my family. And I got to thinking about how I think it would be so cool for me. I think it'd be so cool to be able to go back in time and to look at some of those guys, those men and women, and say, Thank you for making the decision to follow Christ. Because you had a direct impact upon my life. Because of your commitment to follow Jesus... Because of your commitment to say, I'm not going to compromise. Because of your commitment to say, I'm either going to walk this walk or I'm not going to do it at all. Because you chose to follow Jesus, you had direct implications upon my life. When I came on the scene in 1967 and I was influenced by my grandparents and my aunts and my uncles. And I was was influenced by my parents. I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you because you influenced me. And, 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 and as a, the more I think about that, the more I realize that generational slip can't happen with me. I've got to look at my kids each evening and sit down with my kids and say, we're going to follow God. To be the spiritual leader of my family and say, we are going to follow God, the real God. And guard that slip with everything I have. guys, are there people in your life that could come to you and look you in the eye and say thank you, thank you for the influence that you've had on my walk with Christ? Because of you and I, get, guys, I, this isn't why we follow Christ. I'm just saying. You've guarded that generational slip, and someone's coming into your life and saying thank you. Because I now know what it means to follow Jesus. This is real stuff. I don't have anything else to talk to you about. And we can look at this stuff and we can say, wow, you're, that's really fuddy-duddy, man. That's really like teetotal. Is it? Maybe it is. But how far do you go? How far do you go in guarding that intimate relationship with Jesus? How far do you go? By watching, the, you know, by being careful about the movies and the influences that we bombard ourselves with and our children where we're saying... Whatever you get out of life, this is what life means. It means to follow Jesus. And everything else is going to fall in place. I hope today, as God, pr- I hope that if you're sitting in one of these chairs today, right now, you become very vulnerable to God. And as God presses upon your heart to say, I want you to move. I want to move you. and into- I want you to do some musical chairs. I want you to move in this chair. I hope and pray that you guys respond. And and, and, and guard that generational slip with everything that you have. Those of you that are sitting in this chair today, guard it. Guard it. Guard it with your kids. Guard it with your family. Guard it with everything you have. Grab a hold of it. Whatever it takes, don't compromise. We've got enough examples of people that compromise with their spiritual walk with Christ. We need more people that stands and says, choose. Choose who you're going to follow. But for me and my household, we are going to follow God. And we're going to guard that with everything that we have. I don't know how God is pressing upon your heart right now and how he wants you to respond, but I just... I pray that you would just let your guard down become man put yourself in that very vulnerable position and allow God to move you. Allow God to either confirm and just just really grab a hold of you again to say we're not going anywhere. Did you pay attention to some of the songs that we sang beforehand? In Christ alone. That what what that, that that, that those, those truths that we stand in with God that no one can pluck us out of His hands the love that He has so graciously showered upon us again, I just pray that you respond to God here this morning, we're going to close with a couple more songs, I'm going to lead us into a word of prayer I would pray that you would just respond the way God wants you to respond, maybe it's time maybe you want to come forward and pray, we would love to pray with you, there's nothing that magical happens if you come forward, but we would love to pray with you Maybe today's the day you play musical chairs and move to the chair in which God wants you to be sitting in. Would you do that? Let me close with a word of prayer, or lead us into this next moment with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you so much for this time and, and for you meeting us here, for, for ministering to us, for, for your spirit connecting with ours, for allowing us to encounter you. And God, for this, incredible thing that you call grace that even though when we mess up even though we may slide into another chair there's this grace that you so lavishly want to dump on us to say don't stay there you don't have to stay there and you reach down and we if we grab a hold of you you move us and put our feet back on dry ground god thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy God, give us the courage that Joshua had that if we need to make a move in a chair today, that we will have a spiritual breakthrough and we will we will shift into that number one chair, staying committed to you. God, I pray that you would just minister to each person here today as you are, and I know that you already are. Thank you so much for your word thank you so much that we can look back that we have your word to as we read it we can look back and we can see pitfalls to to avoid and to really guard against continue to minister to us as we as we continue to worship you and bring you glory and honor and it's in the powerful name of your son jesus christ that we pray and that we ask all this amen